Accidentally Too Hot. Accidentally Too Hot. Accidentally Too Hot, the podcast. Hey guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're glad you've come back to have another listen. Wanted to hear more. At least one or two people. (laughs) (laughs) In this episode, we're going to delve a little more into who we are. We gave you a taste of a few episode ideas that we were thinking about at the end of the last podcast. So our stories and why we're single quite nicely leads into the topic of baggage and issues. Issues that we're holding on to, which probably leads to why we're single. All right. So we should get to know each other a little bit better. So I think we're going to cover how we got to Sydney because none of us are from here originally. What our dating status is, what we're looking for, and then why we think we're single. Yeah. Okay. I can get started. Go so on. my name's Rook. I'm 29, born in Toronto, Canada, uh, and I actually used to live in Sydney as a kid in a neighborhood called Clovelly, which is neighboring where we live now in Bronte. Right next door. Right next door. But I yeah, grew up in Canada, then moved here about two and a half years ago. Um, so I'm gay, and I guess I probably started to think that I was about grade 10 around that time, but never did anything about it. And I was just really unsure and didn't want people thinking that they knew before I did. So, you know, you put yourself on a dating app and other people start to see that you're on that. And if your settings are set to, to gay, then, you know, other people see you and think that you're gay before you even know. Oh, like everyone in your area? Would yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I didn't want people thought, talking before I knew for yeah. sure. So never went on the apps for that reason. There weren't really many gay guys in high school that I can remember. So, you know, that wasn't an option. And went to university. I was like dating girls loosely, I guess. You know, a couple of dates here and there. Were you dating loose girls? Or <laughs> <laughs> then we could have dated. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, and then, and then, yeah, moved to Australia. And then when I moved to Sydney, I realized that you know I didn't really know too many people here, so it was kind of an opportunity to to you know switch that setting on the app mm-hmm. and 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 look around. And so started going on dates with guys and dated girls and guys for a while, and it was a bit confusing for that reason. But eventually came to the realization, I met this incredible girl named Claire, and she'll probably come on the show in a, in a few weeks. And she was everything that I was was dreaming of and, and even more. And, you know, we so kissed for the first time and then uh, realized that I didn't actually feel attracted to her as perfect as she was. And so that was the moment that I knew that I was gay and then happened to be going home a few weeks later. And, and as soon as I got off the plane, told all my family and, and close friends uh, back at home. So impressive. I feel like that was such a unique story too that you like you waited but you took the time to give yourself the space to figure it out like you weren't trying to jump to conclusions one way or the other like you got here and it sounds like you were like in earnest dating both genders yeah it's yeah. quite lucky that you moved like I wonder what would have happened mm. if you stayed oh, I think about that too Toronto, Canada if I stayed there I don't know if I would have had the courage to I don't know to to address it look elsewhere yeah, yeah exactly but I guess you know why I'm single I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> Why I'm am trying. I Honestly, I'm trying so hard. Heather and I can probably say, like, sitting here with Rook, there's, in terms of you, there's, you're, like, on paper what so many guys would be looking for. And girls. Yeah. But you're awesome. You're accidentally too gay for that. Accidentally <laughs> <laughs> too gay. Yeah, anyway, I'm trying. But I've, I've got a bit of baggage now. The last one just ended a few months ago. Hasn't ended so well for me. I'm still getting over it. So, Yeah kind of led to my baggage but I guess we'll get to that in a I little think bit that, yeah that was a good run through and I think it also goes to show like why you're single 
I think people are always like, oh, why are you single? Like, there's something wrong with you. But it can also just mean, like, you're not ready in that point in your life to be dating someone. I'm totally ready. I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not yeah, ready. You're not. No, I'm not. So, um, anyway, I'm, I'm not on the dating apps at the moment. Usually I'm on them um, for sure. But I've taken a break. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I go home after work every day just before I fall asleep. I'm on them swiping for half an hour, swiping my life away. Wow. Anyway, I'm off. I'm, I need a break. I'm Heather. I'm originally from London, England. I moved here a year ago. I moved over here with work. Work asked me to work in the Sydney office here from our London office. But I was dating a guy for five years. We bought a house together. We sort of talked, obviously, plans for the future. But when the job opportunity came about in Australia... It sort of shed a bit of a light on other stuff that was maybe going wrong in our relationship. Like, neither of us immediately... It wasn't, like, the easiest decision to be like, great, let's Mm. both move. And I think because it wasn't that automatic, let's do everything together, it just started to scrutinise, okay, what the hell's going on? Why don't we want to be together? We went back and forth about it. I'd say I probably led the breakup initially, but then once I moved here, I very much wanted him to come out here. And I don't know whether that was then a reaction to being lonely, being friendless. I really tried to make it work again. And then he was ultimately the one who was saying like, nah, don't don't do it. So I've now been single for almost a year, which is probably the longest I've actually been single. Really? Really? Which is bad. When did you start dating? Like how old were you? My first, like, serious boyfriend was when I was 16. Okay. Probably. That's so young. I know. Well, is that young? What one was yours? I mean, I don't think I'm a good reflection of, like, dating young. No, I was a lot older before I had a serious boyfriend, like, not till college. So, two years from when I was 16 to when I went to uni, then three years with a guy through uni, then three years with someone outside of uni, and then five years with the most recent guy, like... It has been really bad that I've just sort of bounced around. And I think that's why I've felt, and this will come into my baggage for sure, that this year I've felt this like, oh crap, I need to move on, I need to move on. Mm. And it's been quite interesting to just sit back and be like, you kind of don't, like just see how it goes. And then my dating status, I would say that I'm basically not dating because of that. I'm just like kind of chill out. I do feel this odd anxiety that I need to be dating, but I'm just, I'm just not. Taking time to yourself. Taking it mm-hmm. out. The classic. And just time for myself, right? But I do think there is like a weird anxiety that's like, oh, you should be dating. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, what India. <laughs> what about me? I'm India. And I moved to Sydney from San Francisco also about a year ago. Also with work. Um, but I'm originally from Seattle. That's where I grew up. And I've been single for probably like five years now which is a while almost six years but my last boyfriend we broke up shortly after I graduated from college and I guess there's probably a lot to explore as to why I've been single but I had a few years that were very intense with work which also led to a lot of anxiety and I was also dealing with an eating disorder at the time so I'd say like I didn't necessarily have this space to be dating other people and I've also been someone who in the past it took me a lot to be vulnerable and to even be open to the idea of admitting that I liked someone. So I think that's really changed a lot in the last five years, but that's probably why I had been single for so long. I've moved around quite a bit. So I lived in Tokyo, I lived in San Francisco. I've always been like eager to move, so. So what are you looking for? 
what am I looking for? Or I guess I'm just looking for a partnership. Like I've been in relationships in the past where I've really lost myself in the relationship. And I think for the first time in my life, I'm really more assured of who I am. So I want someone who feels that way about themselves too. And we can kind of build a life together as opposed to building into one person's life or the other person's life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Heather? Yeah. I kind of agree like when you see couples who are a real team like I've been in relationships that and maybe even to extent the guy that I was just with like you kind of end up criticizing each other a lot or like finding fault with each other from being together for so long sometimes and you kind of forget that you're supposed to be this partnership together and I do think that's when you see couples really working well like even through all the shit even through the good times bad times like they'll always have each other's backs so that's kind of what I want what about you? yeah I guess I know very clearly what I'm looking for and yeah just a life partner really but I've never actually had a boyfriend or a girlfriend I've been seeing people but it never got to the point where we were you know, mm. in a relationship I would say and so because of that you know it's been 29 years I feel like over that time I've learned from all the dating you know, what I'm looking for. And now I just have a really clear understanding of what that is. Mm. Especially that first 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Especially those so ones. Much. <laughs> Real heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, I miss my soother. <laughs> Actually, we mentioned our friends Josh and Amy in the last podcast, but I really admire their relationship because they're both really clear on having their own goals and having their own hobbies and aspirations and all of that but really good at supporting each other mm. as well and I think that's something really admirable. Yeah it doesn't mean you have to do the same thing as each other. I've got this uh, couple friend back in the UK who we're very good friends with the guy and we don't really know the girl that well because she doesn't come out with us. They totally do their own independent things and they still like best couple they've got an incredibly healthy relationship they're just communicative they support each other as you're saying like in most things they do it just it doesn't have to be live in each other's pockets which some people want that and that it can definitely work as well if you end up having all the same hobbies as your partner but i think whatever you and your partner do it is totally that support essentially that i think people are looking for yeah i'm looking for I've never heard the phrase live in each other's pockets, but I oh, love really? it. And I love it in your accent. <laughs> Do you know that? Living I've in each other's pockets. No, but it's pretty cute. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, I would I totally want. live in either That's what I want. Pocket. You want to live in someone's pocket. I'm just literally imagining myself <laughs> shrunk down. Yeah, to it's more than living it is. in their pockets. Oh, is that what the you mean? The metaphor is more that. And it's and it's almost a negative connotation where They're you're, carrying you're you too around. Yeah, you're too much oh, of each other. Yeah, okay. But you could also put your hand in someone's pocket. That's all I want. I want to, this is what I want. Is a nice. pocket to put someone's hand that in. That is nice. That is someone's nice. hand no, in. No, my hand in. <laughs> a pocket to put my hand in. That's all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, wait. So we talked about why we're single. This conversation probably <laughs> explains a lot. <laughs> but what we wanted to get to was really baggage because I think, Rook, you started to touch on this, but like, there are times where you're single maybe because there are things you need to work on as an individual or there's like a place you want to get to yourself or you're getting over someone else. I think being single is not necessarily a bad thing, even though often that's how it's... Yeah, look, for sure. Being single isn't a bad thing, but also I think having baggage isn't a bad thing. Yeah. And I don't even think, you know, whether it's good or bad is irrelevant because everyone has baggage. Yeah. Baggage is essentially what you've learned from your experiences Yeah. is how I would... 
think about that. Absolutely. Or even like, like what you've experienced. Or what you've experienced. Yeah. And you, you can't really not have baggage unless you're 14, 15, 16, having your first crush, first love, first... Anytime you first have emotions for people, inevitably, the next time you feel those emotions again, you have history of it and you have an experience of it. So it's always going to play into your next experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the connotations around the term baggage, it sounds bad because literal luggage is heavy to carry around. (laughs) It makes it sound like that as if it's a weight on people's mind and weight on people's relationships. But really, everybody should just be embracing the experiences that you've had. Yeah, totally. There's a quote by Chuck Norris, which is, um, (laughs) I think it's by, no, it's different Chuck. Chuck Palahniuk. Sorry for the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his quote was, um, I'm the combination of everyone I've ever met. Yeah. And I think that's totally true. Like everyone that you meet and come across within your life has some sort of impact on who you are as a person. And that is what I would relate baggage to be. Every person that I've dated or I've been seeing or, you know, even it was a coffee date has had some sort of impact on where I am in my relationship status. And I think like, as Heather, you were kind of alluding to this, but if we all sit around pretending like we don't have the baggage, that's actually what makes it the issue. So it's like more awkward if there's just a bright orange suitcase going around the baggage claim and you're like, no, that's not mine. And everyone's like, it literally says India on the tag. And I'm like, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just going to let that baggage circle yeah. a couple more times. Like, that's more awkward than me being like, yeah, that's my baggage. Can you help me pick it up off the baggage claim? Let's work yeah, on it totally. together. I love the analogy. It's so a great much. analogy. I was just thinking even, you know, when you have extra heavy luggage, or like delicate items yeah. and so they wrap it up loads and loads and loads and they're like you have to go to the other place yeah. <laughs> everyone looks at you as you are you have to go and discuss that elsewhere because that's so delicate yeah. not touching it that's such a good analogy totally yeah that, well that's probably why it's called package <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to be it, all the topics we're talking about sometimes when you're on dating apps and people ha- admit to having had a divorce or having children or having some sort of something that's a bit more tangible to to say, this is my baggage, I'm divorced. It doesn't really sound like that's actually what we think it is. It's more how people are managing their emotions around something that's happened to them in their past. It doesn't matter what's happened. Because that's what makes the person interesting too. So what would you say if you could try and succinctly describe what your baggage was? It's a tough one now. I think it's only really recently that I've claimed my baggage. (laughs) I found baggage. I didn't have baggage. I was baggage free in life. Yeah. Until... You just had a carry on. I just had a carry on. Yeah, it was a great life. I gotta tell you. And Easily slotting it into. Went on this head. one trip to Melbourne. Met a guy, and picked up a load and of picked baggage. up a shitload of baggage. Got a few too many souvenirs yeah. from that one. So actually, I'll show you a picture just so we can talk about him with. Oh a, yeah, with we, a yeah, we need to name his name. Our name game. So we're not, yeah, we're not doing, if you didn't listen to the last one, we're not doing real names because it's probably a bit mean if we start saying negative things or even positive things about people, they have the right to remain anonymous. So instead, we're going to look at a few pictures and name them ourselves. Yeah. So I found a picture of this guy that I was seeing. What do you think his I name would I would be? name him Hamish. Hamish? I was going to go Clive. What, what about Eric? Eric. <laughs> Eric, yeah. He looks like an Eric. Okay, Eric. Do I have a say in this or it's just you two? It's no. us. He can be an Eric, but honestly... I think Hamish... Oh, you're so much hotter than him. Okay, no, not even close. Wait. 
Are you crazy? Okay, you are he's being accidentally too hard, you know. No. Look at Eric. No, sorry, he's let's not slack like he's a nice looking he's definitely a nice looking person. I'm just not but into from, his haircut. From, I'm not into him from the stories I've heard, essentially that's sort of what's made yeah, me lose interest. Yeah. And I love Rook, so it's yeah, easier maybe to say Rook's better looking. It's clouding our judgment, but also Rook and I have the opposite type. He kind of looks like a real We don't have agent. the same type. Mm, he kind of does look like a real estate agent there. In that particular photo. Unfortunately, he's a climate change scientist, which is fucking hot. So. <laughs> it's accidentally too hot. Yeah. His name is... I think Eric. Or Ethan. Ooh. Bradley. I like all these. Give me whatever. They're actually better than his real name. <laughs> um, Bradley. Yeah. Bradley. Brad. Okay. Brad. So you met Brad in... So I met Brad on Tinder in beginning of September when I, was, when I was in, down in Melbourne yeah so I was just swiping I was there for a weekend you know it didn't really have any expectations because I was only there for a weekend anyway swiping on tinder and we matched and I really didn't think anything of it at the time and it was only when I left we started texting a little bit and then started texting a lot and then started facetiming and started facetiming a lot and so like the first time we facetimed you know it was maybe half an hour and then the next day we facetimed for seven hours that day. Holy that shit. is ridiculous. Yeah. It also explains more why just like a quick side note before Rook changed his online dating app settings, he had it up to 160 kilometers. <laughs> he is willing to oh, put in the work. Oh, that's someone in Melbourne. No, no, I was in Melbourne. Oh. Melbourne's anyway. 800 kilometers. I don't understand. Was this a work day? Seven hours? It was a Sunday. What the hell? I know. It's a long time. We just had, we just had such a good connection. Honestly, it it's kind of like they're on Love is Blind. Yeah. Because they hadn't seen each other and they talked for seven hours. But we FaceTimed. We knew what each other looked like. Right. But are you in between? You're like, right, I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I need to go cook some dinner. And then you just cook them. You... No, we, we went for dinner and then we FaceTimed after dinner for seven hours. It was like eight o'clock to... 3 a.m. or something. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, so it was actually consistent. Yeah, I think we had a quick bathroom break in there. Maybe. Oh my word! And then that week we FaceTime for 20 hours in the week, like throughout the week. It was a lot, but we were just so into each other. Yeah. And both of us were saying, you know, sometimes you meet someone and one person's more into them than the other. But this was like equivalently into each other. It was incredible. Oh. It just brings back happy memories for me. Um, but anyway, uh, it continued on and. He came up to Sydney, had the best date of my life, hands down. I went down to Melbourne. He came up to Sydney again, so we started to see each other a bit more frequently and regularly. And um, he just kind of pulled out in the end. And I guess it was the first time that I had really been in love. And I didn't realize it at the time while I was with him, but only because of how long it's taken me to get over him. And I'm still not over him, and it's yeah. you know close to four months later. It was it also really sudden how it happened. Kind yeah, of. It like he came quickly. to visit you, and then yeah. he was suddenly not into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it was him not accepting that he was gay because he was out to his parents and his brother, but no one else. Yeah, and I think that started to be an obstacle because everything. Yeah, there's so many things here, and we'll probably do a whole episode on mm. it. But he told me a lot of things that I wanted to hear, and. Mm. I, think that was a new type of person for me that I realize is dangerous is when someone tells you exactly what you want to hear but it doesn't mean any of it that's sort of now the ongoing issue because you were so blindsided it throws up all sorts of trust issues and someone then telling you that again you're going to be like bullshit exactly which goes back to my baggage and why I have baggage now is because of this whole thing my baggage is yeah I don't really feel like I want to open myself up to someone again and have them you know lead me on like that Mm. and then suddenly they're gone and didn't mean any of it 
I think that's a very, very common, not to minimise that yeah. at all, but I think lots of people do feel like that because inevitably in relationships you do open up to people and if they then sort of use that, like, he sort of disregarded all of that. Like, you can have amical breakups, you can have very respectful breakups, but it's more that this person seemed to just throw all that away, like, completely disregard what he already knew about you, what you'd shared. And I think that does happen a lot to people. And that then inevitably means, you're like, oh, screw that, I'm not opening up someone again. Like, all that, all that caused me was pain and yeah, hurt. exactly. So why would I do it? And like, it feels like everything he said wasn't true and maybe in the moment it was true and for other reasons he freaked out and backed out but it still makes it hard to hear any of those things about yourself from someone else and believe it yeah yeah and he told me the things like you know you're my dream human exactly you're the perfect person for me you want to share my family with you like all this kind of stuff which i think is pretty serious to say and you wouldn't really go out of your way to say that unless you meant it and it's in a very condensed time period yeah so we were only seeing each other for maybe two and a half three months it does blow my mind that I similarly don't always trust when people throw those sorts of because they're huge things to say. Yeah. When people throw them in quite early, I'm extremely skeptical because I'm just like I think it's it, some people find it easier to say those things than other. Like if I said that, I would really mean it. Yeah. Whereas a handful of people are able to say things that they don't mean or don't know that they don't mean. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's unintentional. Like. Yeah. Because even I was saying things, like I'd said, if you're what I've waited 28 years for, then it was worth the wait. Oh. But now do you think and he said, And he said, if, if you're what I've waited 35 years for, it was worth the wait. But he clearly just said it, but didn't mean it. Oh, yeah. In you know, and so I think like, yeah. everyone might not have all the context, but the communications after things, en- how things ended were rough, but then the communications after Bradley has made it very clear how he feels and how it ended mm. is reflective of how... Yeah. He wanted it to end, I guess. Or he like, said he doesn't have regrets. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's interesting like, for you to bring it up too, because something I wonder about is like my whole life I've been skeptical of that. Like someone could be like, oh, I'm into you. And I'm like, sure you are. Like I've always been really skeptical of people. So I really admire you like... You know, welcome me to the Believing club, right? it. <laughs> like yeah. being open. But I wonder like as a woman, I think it's because... I remember, like, the. this is a really weird memory, but the first Friends episode I ever watched, I was, like, sneaking on the TV to watch Friends because I was really young. But I remember it was one where, like, some guy basically, like, uses Monica or Rachel. I really don't remember. But I remember my takeaway from that being, like, guys just use you. And, like, I was probably seven years old when this I was. This is why your parents didn't watch you to watch the episode. Enthusiast, so I love which, Friends, which episode <laughs> I'm trying to remember, but I just remember them, like, kissing and then him not coming back. I should go back and, like, try to figure was out. Was it Jean-Claude Van Damme? <laughs> oh my god that was, that is such a good episode but, but I think he does see that I, I think, think he does and I just remember from then on I was always like people tell you things that they don't mean and like that friends episode is my baggage <laughs> <laughs> your baggage was even from your own experience it's yeah, but that, that's I, always I think an open point as in movies t- TV shows like they probably do cast a different light on real life there's no right answer into how you should be approaching things like some things it is right to be skeptical because they end up being like eugene from the last episode maybe i should have been more skeptical but then others you really end up offending people as well if you like really chastising them for saying things that they do mean yeah and you're like nah don't believe you so there's a it's hard to know the balance and yeah where to go and i think it also goes back to like how much you respect yourself like I think for a long time especially as a teenager I didn't 
respect myself or see a lot in myself so I don't believe other people would see that in me and now as I've gotten older I've grown to like like myself and that's a good feeling to have but now when someone says that I'm more likely to be like oh yeah what, what do you think is your baggage Probably, the, I think that skepticism is a big part of it, where I'm wary of being vulnerable and wary of other people's intentions, and I can't really tell you where that, like, <laughs> that Friends episode might be in, but, like, I think I'm all, I've always just been someone who's quite maybe scared of failure, and I think I see, I for a long time I saw rejection as failure, which I don't think that's the right way to frame it at all, but now, but for a long time that's how I framed it, so I didn't give people chances a lot, so... Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't give people a chance or you're like believing that what they're saying isn't true from the beginning, then they're not going to want to be with you for a long time. Well, that's it. Like baggage is, I mean, part of it is if you don't let go of that baggage, you're not going to be able to open yourself up to other people. Yeah. And in your example, if you're not vulnerable and, you know, you don't want to share, you know, your deep shit, (laughs) 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 then then people are just going to... People don't know what they're getting. But I think now I feel very differently. But I think for a good portion of my life, that's what it was. I still feel, and I don't know whether this is a British thing, but British people tend to be quite closed off and they mm. don't necessarily want to overshare. Like there's a very politeness ele- element to all interactions. Mm. And some t- and I've definitely been guilty of this when somebody is then sharing to me, my instant reaction is like, Oh my god, why are you oversharing? <laughs> yeah. Oh You're, really? As often like if, especially if I've just met and it's happened to me a few times where I've just met people and they've then opened up and I've been like, oh, oh wow, that is something very personal. And I almost don't feel worthy of like I don't know that person very well. Why are you and they've that? entrusted something yeah. to me that I can't necessarily do anything That's with. That's really interesting, because I'm probably that person. Who overshares? Who will I will never consider it oversharing before, so now I'll be cautious of it. <laughs> but I'm just considering an opening opening myself up to someone so that our conversation on a first date isn't just how was your weekend? Yeah. You but know. that's not like and I I do I think the older I've got, the more I've realized that how silly that first uh, instinct is. Like people sharing isn't a scary situation. You shouldn't be like, oh, I'm not worthy of this, or like they're sharing too much. It's what um, the three of us have sp- spoken about a lot before is belonging no, to you. I was just about to bring it up too. <laughs> because as soon as you do share, it lets somebody else feel more open, open. to you sharing. Yeah. So like, that's a great first thing to do on a date. Yeah, I agree. And if someone's not there to... like, They're not ready. Like, yeah, they're I, not ready. And that's okay too. I think that's like a big learning for me is like, if someone isn't ready for that, it's not an issue with me it's just where they are at and that's okay too yeah if you share your baggage with one person and it doesn't get reciprocated or it doesn't work out like do not shut yourself down and think oh this isn't supposed to be an advice podcast (laughs) just give it but here's the analogy you're you're like going to pick up your baggage with two people and they throw their back out you shouldn't be like oh my back has the problem i'm not strong enough it's like no they're the ones who threw their back out trying to help you with their luggage so then do you pick up their baggage as well um Maybe if they can point it out, but if they're just like on the ground, <laughs> or they're like at the physio, can't identify their own baggage. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to take that on board. Yeah, but if but they're if, they if they're like, yeah. that's my baggage. It's kind of heavy. My back's thrown out right now. I don't know if I can address it. But we can get it off together. Yeah, get it off.
Get it on. I may get it off the luggage carousel. But But I also um, agree that kind of like your cultural background is going to help dictate that a little bit because... What do you mean? Um, like you were saying, in British culture, you're not necessarily like opening yourself up mm. right away all the time. I think it's similar in Japanese culture. And so growing up half Japanese, I kind of felt like, oh, I shouldn't share too much because it's such a burden on other people. But I really wanted to hear other people's stories. But yeah. then sometimes they felt it's a bit lopsided because I'm always there to listen and I'll share a little bit. But I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to... I don't want to make them feel like I'm overstepping my bounds, so I won't share as much. And then maybe they think, oh, they're not being as open after I've shared or whatever it is. But I think that also goes to the root of baggage where it's like, if you're able to share the background you're coming from, then it just gives everyone more of an idea of like what the playing field is. And then you can start to deal with it. What I sometimes find difficult with sharing baggage is... The feeling of, well, if you haven't necessarily got to grips with how to articulate your own mm. baggage as well, I don't like when I'm talking to someone or I'm almost realizing how I feel about it at the time, yeah. which is exactly why you should be talking about it because then it helps you come to terms with whatever it is. Everyone go to therapy. It's yeah. <laughs> Can't recommend it enough. Session. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, through, like I didn't I used to come away thinking like crap I was formulating my opinions whilst I was talking to that person and I therefore don't like whatever impression they may have got of me because I didn't feel like I'd completely thought it out yeah, yeah thought it out so it's hard to but that's exactly why you should talk about it because then the next time you talk about it it's a bit easier you learn more and more about yourself yeah what do you reckon is your baggage in the little like notes section that we were just trying to structure this podcast I wrote down I think I have an inherent need to people please Mm -hmm. and it often means that I'm not always authentic in certain interactions because I'm just molding myself to Mm. be whatever those people are need me to be where do you think you got that from well just I think being in back-to-back relationships I think constantly being in relationships means that you're never fully aware of what you want and what you need and so I've although incredibly enjoyable relationships it's meant that I've always been half and half like you're always considering somebody else you would need to every decision I've made has been thinking about how that might Mm. affect someone else yeah now that I've been by myself for a year it's been really uncomfortable to be experiencing these interactions where I'm trying to second guess what somebody wants me to say or needs me mm. to say or how I think I will best fit into a situation and Instead it hasn't worked being, out yeah. yeah like it's not as in not even just dating just making authentic relationships until you actually just start saying how you really feel it's very difficult to build anything with anybody so yeah I kind of have only realized that I think I've had loads of other different baggages in the past like I've had someone cheat on me I feel untrusted blah 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 but I do think I've got to a stage where I've dealt with more of the relationship baggage and now it's more of who my baggage is that I don't really know who I am or what I want or what I need because I've just been relying on other people to tell me no I really resonate with that like I remember getting out of my last relationship and thinking I went to order pizza 
and I went to give his order for pizza because, like, that's the stupidest thing, right? Yeah. Wait, to not you ordered his pizza for your own, you mean? For my own, because I was so used to just being, like, whatever that whatever, person wants yeah. or, like, I want to make that person happy. And it was, like, that was the moment I was actually, like, I need to find a therapist because I was, like, I can't even order my own fucking pizza. Like, do I like pepperoni or cheese? I don't know. <laughs> whatever he wants. Yeah. And so I, I really resonate with that where it's, like, easy to get lost in it and then you're like oh what are my two legs to stand on yeah Yeah. to the extent of even like friendship I've lost friendship groups over it because I have just given up my friends and then my friends for those few years that we've been going out are our mutual friends and then inevitably when you get another relationship you get a new set of friends because now I'm just okay I'm with the new guy's friends and now I'm with the new guy's friends and it's just I've had this cuts of friendships over the years because I've just been following them around well now so, you're stuck with us what, what's the longest gap that you've had between your relationships six months wow see i think it's the opposite of me in that in that i feel like i'm definitely not ready to open myself up to someone again but it's it's interesting yeah. how you were so ready to open yourself up not to right re- it, it was more of a gap filler just like because don't you feel like that when you're feeling that breakup loneliness yeah the instant drive is to have somebody else there. Yeah. So you're right, actually, and that was a f- that was I've gone through many feelings. Yeah. Um, through this process, and one of the first ones, the early ones, was that, and so maybe two weeks after, I got back on the apps, and I was like, oh, I'll just find someone new. It's fine. Yeah. Thinking, you know, I could just decide to be over it. Yeah. And I guess I you didn't can't. find anyone. But maybe <laughs> you found someone, which is what you pursued. Yeah, and the beginning few months of all of those relationships were more difficult because then I had to face the fact that I was getting over someone whilst falling in love with someone. Yeah. So it's all just messy, messy. Yeah, now I'm at the point where I realized, oh, I actually wasn't over you yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like I could properly open myself up to someone in that state. I feel like I've probably waited a little too long to (laughs) open myself up. Only 10 years. But I also think it goes back to like what you were saying about being able to stand on your own two legs or like you find yourself. That, I said that. <laughs> yeah. so smart. Wow. No, but um, I think it goes back to like me really recognizing I've really, really lost myself. And then I'd allowed that to develop into like, like I alluded to at the beginning an eating disorder and like how I focused on work. I'm a very zero or a hundred person. And I'd allowed that to like my breakup to fuel a lot of things at a hundred percent that weren't necessarily healthy and forced me to confront it very quickly. So everyone has baggage. If we're open about it, I think this episode also shows not just being open about it with the people you're dating, but with your friends and other people like, Hey, we just saved $200 on a therapy session here. (laughs) We all talk through some shit. Um, But I guess we said this wasn't an advice podcast, so... Yeah, don't listen to what we've said today. (laughs) That's another place. Do whatever you want with your baggage. Seek comfort in it that you're not alone. Yeah, Yeah, and we talked about something called belonging cues, and we'll probably have an episode on this a bit later on. But essentially, that's the concept of everyone wants to belong. And Maslow has a hierarchy of needs for humans, and there's like food and shelter. And I think the next one down um, in the priority is, is a sense of belonging. Everyone just wants to feel like they belong in some sort of community or in a relationship. And I think by opening yourself up, by being vulnerable, you're making the first move that shows that you're willing to open yourself up and, and, and form that sense of belonging. And when you do that, when you're the first person to make that move, other people feel vulnerable opening up as well, and you, you form a really solid, deep bond as well. Wait, I love that, because that just shows that your baggage is your superpower to be able to create those connections. 
There you go. You've quoted both Chuck Norris and Matthew <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> this was a really, really nice, like, deeper episode, but maybe the next one's going to be a bit more lighthearted. Yeah, definitely. And, and hopefully you got to know us a little bit better as well. So if you enjoyed the episode, rate us on whatever platform you're listening on. DM us if you have stories about your baggage or if you have good belonging cues you want to share. We can all belong together. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening. See you later. Bye.